This is still making Macy laugh. <laughs> I, I've been listening to podcasts and people do this naturally. Don Miller always is like, okay, when we come when back. We try. When we come back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how you do it. <laughs> uh, me do it right now? Yeah. I can't do it. Okay. Uh, okay, we're back and <laughs> we're <laughs> for our break. <laughs> we take a break during that musical transition. We did. We took a break, we went down to the 7 Eleven and got a Slurpee. <laughs> we Goodness, hey, it is recording. <laughs> Do you want to start with the hey, everybody? No, you should. That's Let's you just see what it's it. like. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, and now I'm nervous. Hey, everybody. It's no small thing. <laughs> I'm Macy. And I'm Scott. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> We're trying a new format this week where <laughs> Macy says, hey, everybody, instead of me. <laughs> we took a week off, and that was because... Uh, We've mentioned this in the past, but Macy and I work together at a church as youth people, youth people, <laughs> pastors slash workers that slash youth volunteers. Youth is really interesting I, too. In terms, we're of, not volunteers. We're, we're paid. We're paid staff. Family people. Yeah, it's University Presbyterian Church. Yeah. Go look it up online. <laughs> <laughs> and we we were at Lake Shasta on houseboats last week. Lake yeah. Shasta is in Northern California. It's beautiful. It's like shockingly beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were gone, but before we left, uh, Macy recorded oh. some 21 Pilots rants. Yeah. And we posted those for your convenience and your enjoyment. And I'll have to say... I, I think we mostly posted them because I had to do them. Maybe, maybe that's your interpretation, but I, <laughs> I think for those that listened, when I listen personally, it's, it's sort of Macy uncut, <laughs> and that's a good thing. I, I think it's enjoyable to listen to you, uh, as Macy would say, pop off. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're a 21 Pilots fan or not, that's the whole point has been. I, I like to imagine there is a personality out there that <laughs> would enjoy listening to someone passionately talk about 21 Just Pilots. Just pop off about 21 yeah. Pilots. So there it is. There it is. That, we did that. Yeah. Oh, so we did that <laughs> update. And there's been no new real content with 21 Pilots. It's just... It feels like every time I listen to it, it's new content and how it, much it still is inspiring me. I've, it's been really affecting but my wait. life. But wait... Since your rants, the songs have been released. Yeah. That but, was pre-songs, right? But the second rant, the songs had already come out. Oh, right, 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 right. But I hadn't sat with them for that long. I had only really listened to them with Shasta. Now I know. Now I can sing them all. Now I can, like, I know them and I've memorized them and mm. I can sing them, which means I know them way differently. That would be another good bonus episode is just you singing. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Maybe, maybe. It has been fun to watch Macy learn the rap. From Nico and the Niners, <laughs> and she so took hard. this very seriously. It's really hard. Uh, I, this is the funny thing: is like in my high school years, there were raps. Um, like I memorized the rap from "If I Ruled the World" by Nas, hmm. and I memorized several raps. I remember uh, memorizing "Bad Boy" by uh, Mace. <laughs> and if that still comes on, it's a it's a long, long rap. I got mm-hmm. every single word and memorized. You know it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's fun. Oh, yeah. Memorize a rap. It's so fun. Why not? Memorize. Oh, people, if you've never memorized a rap, Ooh, you should memorize a rap. Maybe that's a challenge for our listeners. Be, especially memorize a rap. people who don't like rap music, I think it would help you to understand rap music because that's when you, like, 
Rap music just lets you feel it. Can we encourage maybe a listener or two? Yeah. If you're out there, record a rap. Oh, Re- yes. <laughs> and tag us. It'd be so fun. Record yourself oh, doing a rap. But I, what I would say personally is the request is to learn, learn a rap. Don't do mm. one you already know. Mm. Learn a new rap. Or fine. Go ahead and do a rap. But no, I think learn it. I yeah, learn, learn a new rap and self. post yourself. Maybe we'll do it. I will do it. Ooh, I'm scared. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Well, I think the human voice is really interesting right now. Yeah. So I'll do it. Maybe I'll just do an audio file. I'd be really that nervous would, to have please. myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Macy's putting together a very mysterious uh, catalog of friends, audio, singing, and we're going to all find out about it later. She's, she's being very coy. I, have, I am being coy and cryptic, not on purpose, only because in my mind it is still cryptic, mm. the thoughts. That's good. Uh, I'm very. I'm looking forward to what's going to happen. Yeah. So we got a lot of we got a lot of content. We also mm-hmm. to our listeners, if you listen to our Steven Universe episode, you know how much that show means to us, and mm-hmm. we just received five of the most special, sweet, monumental, mm-hmm. progressive. Oh yeah, yeah. Episodes. What a great word. What a word. <laughs> <laughs> great word to introduce into our podcast, Macy. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Here we are, roasting. <laughs> um, we're really trying to go banter tonight, I guess. <laughs> Full banter. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I like the idea that, I mean, we can't always be, especially as the episodes continue to pile up and evolve, like we can't always be referencing the things we've covered in the past, but I can't imagine there's going to be constant updates on the Enneagram and constant updates on Kanye. It just so happens. Right, that there's so much. It just so happens that, 21 Pilots and Steven Universe are doing big things and right now. And Chance the Rapper. Yeah, and Chance the Rapper. Well, don't even get into that. We'll do an <laughs> Sorry, episode Sorry, I didn't someday. mean to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Big things and are happening. And, like, just, like, the spirit. Yeah. So it's just... It's a lot of content. I feel like there's something going on. Okay. The vibes. That's good. I like it. The vibes. Okay, so should I we're say blessed. what we're doing this episode? Yeah, let's tell them. Let's tell them. <laughs> that we're going to title this, I think... And I'm going to say it, but maybe it'll change when I actually do the title. We. Drum roll. The title of this episode is Wilderness and Holy Ground. Yes. yes. There it is. And it is based on oh, I love the that talks the that we gave at Lake Shasta. So at Shasta, Macy and I each gave a talk, and we were covering um, Moses and the Burning Bush. Yeah. And this was meant to introduce a series that we're trying to do with our teens slash youth. <laughs> This summer on God Encounters. So this was the first one. And I think we had a lot of fun preparing for it. We spent oh, we an afternoon in the SPU library. afternoon. Yeah. 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 And um, it, as people listen tonight, I think what I want people to understand is, is when we speak, I'll just, I'll just speak for myself, yeah. but I think you resonate with this. When I speak about scripture to high school students, I try to engage scripture in a way that is honorable to the text. Hmm. Uh, But I also try to incorporate something that would mean something to a non-Christian. And I also try to incorporate science (laughs) (laughs) in a way that maybe, maybe this scripture says this, but regardless of if you believe in the Bible, this is still a wise and Hmm. Hmm. valuable thing to be engaging with. So, Trying to wow, eliminate that's the really barriers. Interesting. You know, yeah. You always keep those things in mind. Yeah. 
those in mind at all. <laughs> you know, one thing I, which will be interesting for this podcast, one thing that I personally keep in mind, and I don't know if this is a five Enneagram thing, maybe it is, oh. is I oftentimes wonder what someone would think if this talk was being broadcast to the general public. Meaning, Ooh, interesting. Like, like, come at me. Like, am I saying oh, something that yes. is, is offensive or can be pr- picked apart? Or is this, is, this, is this just something we can all agree on? Like, I like to think that I'm saying something that isn't... You would rather people come at you. You want to be... No, 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 no. I'm, I, oh, let, let me rephrase that. Like, I'm, I'm like, you can't, basically. Like, I'm saying something that's so obviously, like, uh, common, not common, but... Um, could be agreed upon by by maybe like what I was trying to say, like the scientific community and the spiritual community. Oh, I see. You know, like yeah. I, I'm not. I think there's a certain type of person that would think, oh, I'm watering down my message, and that's mm. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying some sort of niche rogue statement that can only be accepted by my little cult of people in my own little echo chamber. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's. I like to think that it's, it's engaging sta- with. Yeah, the world. it could stand scrutiny. Yeah. You know, it could hold up under scrutiny. That makes so much more sense yeah. now. Okay, thanks. You always help me clarify myself. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think about any of that. Mm. <laughs> you don't think about any of that, and it seems like you do. That's the interesting thing. Like, I feel like your talks would hold up under scrutiny. That's sweet. <laughs> I think, I only think I have good talks if I'm like, if I, I just have to believe everything in it mm. and it just has to like let it come. Uh, but like that only is with like a lot of pre discernment. I think there's such, uh, I don't know what we're talking about, but I just feel like in my, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, now I'm talking about how I really think about giving like a message almost, mm. but like I like to be really thoughtful about it and then be really like honest with my thought, like around the text or mm. around the concept. Mm. And I think that like, if I'm being thoughtful about it and I share like my, my responses that like it will maybe hopefully remind others that they can be thoughtful about the text and hopefully they're encouraged. Well, maybe, maybe you're just a very thoughtful person that says wise things. Cause, cause I, <laughs> I really like what you say. I, I, I guess we're being really complimentary. Of each other. <laughs> we love each other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, I guess just, just for those that are listening that don't really know what we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking chaotic. about like, we're talking about like speeches slash sermons. This is a really weird, giving like, speeches to high school students. It's kind of, some people rogue. don't understand. People will be like, Oh, you're a minister. You know, I'm like that. That's always such a funny word to me. Yeah. But like pastors, we give talks. It's a really strange role. It's a subculture. Play. It's a subculture too. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know it, like welcome to this crazy subculture. You got, might get to like learn something <laughs> about this world we live in. <laughs> We're all living in different worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's oh, true. We really are. Yeah. We're all very comfortable with our own worlds. Yeah. And it seems natural to us, but it wouldn't seem natural to somebody else. Yeah. Thoughts. Big thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's our intro. We're excited f- to present our content for the night. And when we come back, we'll start with our talk about wilderness. Oh, good.
Okay, so I'm going to start by talking about wilderness. And this is interesting because on our trip to Lake Shasta, I'm talking to high schoolers. This is, Macy and I are still learning to balance this concept of talking to each other in a conversational way and also talking to listeners. Yeah. So I'm going to try to, I guess, do both simultaneously. Yeah, here goes it. Yeah. So um, Exodus starts with the story of Moses. And... Yeah. Do you want to say something about Moses? Can we just, can I just say a few things about maybe for people out there who don't understand or who like maybe don't like the Bible or don't understand it, or maybe you're like uncomfortable Christianity, just like a different way to understand how text can be inspiring. Say a different way for text slash scripture to be inspiring. Yeah. Macy. Uh, so I just think like if you're out there and you don't know much about the Bible or this isn't, I don't know, you don't care about it or you don't believe it. I still think that this text, I think a lot of people could say that regardless of if it's this holy book that was written by, like, I don't know, whatever, it's inspired a lot of people. Mm -hmm. This text, this story has inspired a lot of art, a lot of music, a lot of community, a lot of good things. Yeah, some really crappy things too. Mm -hmm. But I think that as whatever, people who are trying to, share this text like we just want to honor that it's like at least an inspirational text and so i think everybody has something to draw from that Mm, that's good so very well said so like if you're so enjoy this as as like uh, just a meditation or like this this text inspires us so maybe it can inspire you yeah enjoy it enjoy it oh i hope you enjoy it (laughs) (laughs) it's meant to be enjoyed it's a gift if you're not enjoying it just turn it off yeah oh yeah (laughs) bye it was fun <laughs> so good. Um, okay, Scott's now going to well, talk. I and I'll say, him you know, you were saying this is a rich text, and what we're going to say tonight isn't even isn't even scratching the surface. Oh no! I, and I don't even think it's like. Let's think of a surface. Scratching <laughs> the surface. This isn't even putting your hand on the surface. This is like yeah. your your hand hovering over the surface. Yeah. This is this is getting near something. <laughs> it's not even really oh getting. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> so dramatic. But truly, Exodus in itself is incredibly rich. Exodus, the story of Moses, incredibly rich. Exodus three, incredibly rich. Yeah, every word in this text is so thoughtfully, beautifully placed, and there's been so much thought around it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'm just going to say a few things about wilderness. And like what I said is I I will try to connect that to some more practical modern practices that I think would be beneficial for people. So uh, in the beginning, it talks about Moses uh, through many circumstances. I'm not even want to get into it right now. Through lots of different conflicts. And and one major conflict um, is pushed out of his context and has to flee. Um, So uh, this is... There, there's two ideas of wilderness that are presented through scripture. And one is somebody in the midst of a conflict that's fleeing or somebody is searching. So fleeing or searching. Those are two. I'm sure there's more, but those are the two main. Do you want to say something to that? No, I, I, I'll say more about wilderness later. Okay, great. Because <laughs> I heard something different. Oh, great. Perfect. <laughs> Do you want to say it now? Might as well. Well, I've heard of wilderness. The wilderness is godless? One yeah, it's this place where like... It was also an interpretation almost of, like, a defiled place or a place where, like, God was a godless place that, like, a God was not there. There wasn't the presence of God Mm -hmm. in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. It was this, yeah. That was the assumption at the time. Yeah. For whoever was writing these texts. that's a good way of putting it. 
Um, so I just don't want to get caught up in all of the backstory of Moses right now. I want to focus on wilderness. Okay. And I, this is kind of interesting for anybody that cares about this sort of thing, but the Hebrew word used in this passage is, called, is midbar. And so wilderness, midbar, uh, it can also be translated desert, wasteland, desolate land. Hmm. But this is interesting too, because think of those. Then there's also open country hmm. and suitable for grazing. Oh, I have so <laughs> many thoughts. <laughs> so it's very multifaceted. It's incredibly multifaceted. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many 21 Pilot thoughts in my head. Oh, yeah. So we're going to get to that. I think Macy's going to incorporate some 21 Pilot's thoughts into yeah, her will, I'm sure. portion. <laughs> so I think what I was trying to get the students to reflect on is... Moses first gets pushed out into the wilderness by needing to run away from something um, toxic that's happening in his life. Hmm. And so that's how, that's one of the ways we can use scripture is to find the parallel in terms of the way it fits into what we're going through. We're, yeah. we're meant to do that, I think. Yeah. Well, and you were giving this on the first night of right. us arriving on these houseboats and we're in a new place. Oh, let me say that really quick. Yeah. And, who knows? If you can picture us, listeners, yeah. uh, we get on a bus here in Seattle and we drive 10 hours in a bus ten, with high more schoolers. More than 10 hours. So we're fleeing. Not running, but like we're, we're getting out of here. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's dramatic. We're in a huge bus and we're, we're driving and driving and driving and driving and driving. There's a journey yeah. to get to where we are. And even that, you know, to introduce some new language, I've heard of that as like a third place. The, the, the first place is the place you're leaving, the, the third, uh, and then you're going to a place. But the third place is the, the, the like containing s- structure that helps you get there. Wow. <laughs> and it's a place to process and to prepare. That's another concept. But So we're on this bus, and we're heading to Shasta. And we get to Shasta, which looks completely different. There's a huge snow-capped mountain in the middle of like a dry desert. And if you've ever been to Lake Shasta, look it up online. It is a very unique place. It's a massive lake with all sorts of like nooks and crannies and it twists is like and turns and shockingly it is. beautiful. It is. And it looks like wilderness. Oh, it does. The you know? rock it's rocks everywhere. Red rocks. I don't know. It's it's really unique. It's this is it's so special because chest means a lot to like a lot of my family. Mm-hmm. Oh it's That's a, sweet. It's a holy place. So y'all. we get there and we get on houseboats. So we've already been traveling and then we get on these houseboats and then we go out into nowhere like the cool thing about lake shasta and these houseboats is you go find your own little private place where nobody else is Mm -hmm. so in terms of setting up and doing a first talk to these teenagers we are out in the wilderness Mm. and it's pretty cool because if you can picture this whoever's speaking i'm speaking the first night macy speaking and some of our other volunteers spoke the other nights and rebecca yeah and daniel let's just shout them out yeah and (laughs) all good talks it was really yeah and so all these students are on top of these houseboats and we're, we're on top of the houseboats with them with the, like the sun setting and this quiet, massive lake and surrounded by mountains and trees and we're out in the wilderness. Mm. And this is like the first talk. So we're meditating and thinking and contemplating uh. on the concept of wilderness. And so we invite students and I'd invite listeners and everybody to think about um, something in your life that you're trying to get away from, mm. that you need space from. And that's important. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to... Be intentional about trying to get space from something that you are feeling overwhelmed by or wrapped up in that's toxic, that's hard, and and not and I think I would encourage people to say not just not just get away for the sake of getting away, but going out for some sort of a divine encounter. Hmm. Um, yeah. 
and oh, and wow. and it seems like in scripture people are pushed beyond their will, pushed out like mm. circumstances are so bad and dire that people are pushed out into the wilderness on their own. And I guess I would say if you find yourself in that situation, who knows? Mm. I mean, every, every situation is unique, but maybe be open to what's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So you see already we're like talking about Exodus and Moses and stuff, but it's immediately applicable. And, and it doesn't even have to be whether you believe this or not. It believe the Bible. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, Again, it's inspired word. Yeah, it's useful. But wilderness, it, this is the thing. This is what I'm saying about standing scrutiny. It's, it's, it is true that mm. wilderness is a theme in Scripture, that yeah. Jesus is immediately pushed out into the wilderness before his ministry begins. That's just Wilderness true. is used throughout Scripture constantly. Yeah. And this is, this is almost, this is in the very beginning stages of this being used in the sense of like this whole big story. Mm-hmm. And here we are getting pushed <laughs> out in the wilderness. So Moses was pushed out into the wilderness and then it doesn't seem like. You talked about white space. Yeah, did I'm going to talk about that. Okay, great. So that's, that's being pushed <laughs> beyond circumstances, sort of beyond your control. But then there's a second thing of either choosing or being drawn out into hmm. wilderness. Hmm. And that, that more, more seems to be in concert with you call it the divine, call it God, whatever. But it seems to be more like I'm following God out into the wilderness because I know it's good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so here, I'm just going to introduce two things that I think were helpful. And uh, I, I, I hope this makes, I hope this is helpful. I hope this is helpful. It's not, we're not just doing like a book report on our <laughs> talk. <laughs> like, I, I'm hoping no. this is helpful for people. No. Well, we want people, I... I hope this is enjoyable too. I'm enjoying <laughs> hearing this again. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> okay, so I had I, I had three points, and I'm only going to focus on one tonight, which is sort of creating this space in which you can encounter God. That's it. Yeah. In in a healthy, big way, in your own way. And so one of the things I talked about is this concept of white space. And this is I've read about this in several different books. This is a blog that I like marked in my computer years ago, and um, it's actually not that long ago. And um, here, I'm just going to read part of yeah. it. We're talking about this concept of white space. And I don't, I, I, it seems like it's, you know, I'm going to read about this, but it's like an art and design phrase that has yeah. been co-opted by like psychological circles. I think I might've read about this for the first time in Psychology Today, hmm. which is a magazine. Hmm. Um, but this, Yeah, like I think of yearbook. Yeah. So <laughs> it says in this, in design, white space is negative space. It's, so think about this in terms of wilderness. And then think about this in terms of, your life. In design, white space is negative space. It's not blank space because it has a purpose. Hmm. So think about that. Hmm. <laughs> it is balancing the rest of the design hmm. by throwing what is on the page or the screen into relief. The white space helps focus your visual attention. Oh. Then this blog goes on to say, I'll, I'll, I'll shout out the author in our show notes. Ah! <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Now, let's expand this concept of white space beyond the world of graphic design. What if you analyzed your daily schedule, and I'm going to add weekly, monthly, yearly schedule, with an eye toward design? Have you preserved Mm. enough white space within your daily workflow? Or does the way that you design your day look extremely busy and cluttered? We need white space in our daily lives just as much as we need it in our designs because the concept carries over. If our lives are overcluttered and overbooked, we can't focus properly on anything. And then she goes down to quote this uh, author, Eldar Shafir, from something called Time Scarcity. So th- I'll, I'll just read this. In. Mm-hmm. 
Because we are preoccupied by time scarcity, because our minds constantly return to it, we have less mind to give to the rest of life. This is more than a metaphor. We can directly measure mental capacity, or as we call it, bandwidth. We can measure fluid intelligence, a key resource that affects how we process information and make decisions. We can measure executive control, a key resource that affects how impulsively we behave. And we can find that scarcity reduces all of these components of bandwidth. It makes us less insightful, less forward thinking, less controlled, and effects are large. And the effects are large. Wow. Um, so it just goes on to advocate for this concept of white space. But one more thing I want to read just to drive the point home is it's, it's just creating space in your life. So going out into the wilderness. And yeah. here she just says, here are some examples just to get very specific of what we're talking about. And this is essentially what we are trying to get our students to do yeah. on this trip to Lake Shasta. Sitting quietly and letting your mind wander. Ugh. That's what we're talking about. That's it. That's essentially it. And it's something we don't do. And it's not with a phone. It's not with a device. It's not even with like a sketch pad. It's just sitting and staring off yeah. and letting your mind yeah. wander. But listen, here's some other ones. Free drawing with no specific objective. Oh, yes. It yes, almost gets you like I'm choked up. For it. <laughs> Going for a walk around the block. Simple yes. things, people. Guys, everybody <laughs> needs to stop and do that. Doing a mini workout. A mini workout. <laughs> a mini workout. Taking a power nap. Uh, automatic writing. I don't even really know I, what that means. Whatever that means, does, I have yeah. a feeling it's you just write whatever mm-hmm. and you let it go and you don't stop yourself, which sounds <laughs> great. I'm here People for watching. It. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, porch. That's all I do. <laughs> Meditating. And the last one is just playing. Oh, stop. Yeah. And unfortunately, <laughs> it sounds so sad because it seems like in the last 10 to 15 years, these are things that would have come naturally for most people and oftentimes yes. don't come naturally. Yeah. And so we're missing it. Yeah. And so, I'm, I, like I said, I'm trying to connect this like, concept of wilderness taken from Moses in the book of Exodus to current research that says this is something that we need in our lives. We need to get away. And maybe it's literally running away in a really mm. aggressive way, or maybe it's mm. just casually taking a break. But we need to create these moments of white space in our lives where we can... Uh, okay, let's oh, just this say... This is really making me... It's crazy when I think about what, how students... He's, he's, <laughs> there he is. Uh, yeah, go ahead. S- well, students? I think it's just crazy hearing you say that and thinking of all the different reasons and like why students ended up coming to Shasta mm. and like what they left behind. They're all bringing something. They're all bringing something. And some it was, they came with hopes and some they came like actually running. Like my parents are mad at me right mm-hmm. now and I don't want them mm-hmm. come. Like I'm going home to mad parents. Mm-hmm. That's stressful. <laughs> and they are. Some of them are. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing. If any parents are listening to this, maybe, maybe you don't even know that your kids think that. Yeah. Oh, I, you know what's something I think is really interesting? I think in doing like youth ministry, you really get to hear how much kids like are without realizing it, trying to please or like fit an expectation that Mm -hmm. like, it's not even like it's parents fault, but it's just like that expectation is set. And like, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's totally true. I'm getting choked up. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it's heavy. Um, wilderness. <laughs> wilderness. <laughs> uh, so I'll just wrap up this little segment. I'm going to read something from The Self-Driven Child in a second. But uh, Wait, what book? Yeah, Self-Driven Child. I've, <laughs> I've posted this on our Instagram. I like it a lot. It's like... 
There'll be a season. I go through seasons with books. Yeah. Pretty soon I'll be in a different book. But this one I'm still, as Macy would say, I'm still popping off to <laughs> a self-driven child. It's unlocking him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's inspiring me as a parent. But um, what I would say uh, in terms of wilderness for this portion is sort of hearkening back to what I was saying in terms of, let's just say you're not a religious person. Yeah. This is still helpful. We all need white space in our lives. We need space where we're not filling it with stimulus. And yeah. it's, it's healthy. It's, it's, it's one of the healthiest things you can do. Can I just say something about how, regardless of how religious you are, it is really helpful to have spiritual practices. Spiritual so like practices. when you think about religions and you like pull them back and you look at them all, they all have these spiritual disciplines and practices, mm-hmm. which are essentially reminding us of that. What is prayer, but not just sitting with your thoughts and letting yourself wander. Yeah. And like, it is worshipful to make music or say your thoughts out loud or paint something or doodle, like all of those things. And mm-hmm. it's worshipful to go outside and like walk around. Like that's, oh, those disciplines are really there for a reason. Meditating is a discipline. <laughs> yeah, celebrating so celebration is a discipline celebration is a discipline yes like absolutely jo- enjoying life that's a discipline a part of what it is to be in religion i guess i don't know yeah let's walk through this life intentionally yes uh <laughs> here we go okay so so <laughs> what i'm saying is I, I like to be able to think that say there's somebody listening that just isn't on board with the Bible, this is still helpful. Let's say you are on board with the Bible. Well, that's what we're trying to say is spiritually, it's important to go out into the wilderness as yeah. a spiritual person. Yeah. And there's significance in that. And, and scripture has, um, you know, one of the, one of the phrases we often use is univocal. It's like, it, it, it's, it's, it we doesn't, do? it doesn't really, well, I do. <laughs> I've heard it used. <laughs> It it, it, it it doesn't really contradict itself on this point. You know, s- wilderness oh, seems to be I an important theme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's whatever you want to make of that. Hmm. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to read a passage from The Self-Driven Child. When we come back! <laughs> Okay, um, so like I said, uh, even if you're not a parent, I think this is helpful because this is called the self-driven child. And I mean, the essential wisdom of this or the base wisdom of this is that we all need to take ownership of our lives. Mm -hmm. So even if you're not talking about parenting, the wisdom in it is your life is going to turn out better if you're taking ownership of it. So hmm. whether you're 30, 40, 50 year old, this is important. Yeah. As a parent, it has implications for your parenting style. But anyways, in the chapters of this book, and this ties into our theme of wilderness, um, they're talking about like how you help implement this concept of the self-driven child into hmm. your kid's life. And they have a whole chapter called Radical Downtime. Radical yeah. Downtime. So think about this in terms of wilderness. And then think about it. What I was trying to do is um, link this to our students. So I told them, I, I do this with my own kids. I have a 14 and a 12-year-old. I, I, I don't know how smart this is, but I, I try to tell them about <laughs> the things I'm reading about parenting. Yeah. I'm like, look, I'm reading this book on parenting. It says you need <laughs> radical downtime. So, so we're going to try it, it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> 
So um, I, I, I know I'm just reading tonight, but I think this is just so good. And I'll, I'm just going to read a few passages from this book. You should do like bedtime stories. Scott oh, my gosh, too. Yeah. Stories. The crazy thing is, is that this one of the authors, William Sticksrud, I think that's how you must say it. And his name is probably Bill. Um, is going to be in town in late August, and Delaney said we may be able to interview him, which would be crazy. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh! Would you be starstruck? I don't. I don't think I'd be starstruck, but I think I'm I not would like be. famous. But <laughs> I'd be very honored. I'd be honored. Yeah, that's you know. true. Okay, so uh, for whatever it's worth, let me read this. This is about parenting, but I think it applies to all of us. This is about radical downtime. There are many forms of downtime. Anything that is relaxing or rejuvenating, like gardening or reading, we're all for. Yet, as the pace of life goes faster, we need to radicalize our downtime. Radical downtime does not mean playing video games, watching TV, surfing YouTube videos, texting with a friend, or participating in organized sports or activities. Mm. It means doing nothing purposeful, nothing that requires highly focused thought. This is one of the most powerful things that we can do for our brains. It is enormously important as an antidote to the mind-scattering and mind-numbing effects of 24-7 technology and multitasking. Holy flipper. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that so good? So that that, it's not even so about parenting. so good. Yeah. It's for all of us. Oh, it's for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. So, I mean, another thing they talk about, even more important than downtime, is sleep. They're just like, the most healthy thing you can do for yourself is get some freaking sleep. Um, so I'll, I'll read uh, one more little passage done. here, and then I'm going to ask Macy a few questions, and then she's going to talk about um, Holy Ground and the You're burning You're going to ask me some questions? Mm -hmm. Very easy, simple questions. Okay, so this is just going on in the same chapter from The Self-Driven Child on this chapter called Radical Downtime, and uh, hopefully it helps. It says, our culture values getting things done, but research, but research shows us just how important it is to do that mind-wandering. Jerome Singer, a legendary cognitive psychologist, was the first scientist to, su to suggest that the mental state in which the mind is allowed to wander freely is, in fact, our default state. Hmm. Singer further argued in his 1966 book, Daydreaming, that daydreaming, imagination, and fantasy are essential elements of a healthy mental life. These elements include self-awareness, creative incubation, oh. autobiographical planning, consideration of the meaning of events and interactions, taking another person's perspective, reflecting on your own and others' emotions, and moral reasoning. All of this leads to what we think of as, quote-unquote, aha moments. Oh. The musician, best-selling writer, and neuroscientist, <laughs> I love your reactions, Daniel J. Levitin emphasizes that insights are far more likely to come when you are in the mind-wandering mode. This is in, so true. Yeah, than in the task-focused <laughs> mode. So let me just read that again. Uh, uh. Insights are far more likely to come when you are in the mind-wandering mode than in the task-focused mode. This is the most accurate words. <laughs> I'm really resonating. And I'm going to keep reading, but I'll just say Sorry. for myself. No, no, please. I, and I'm going to say for myself personally, I find my, mo my biggest insights happening on long runs. That seems to be a meditative place for me. And I don't listen to music. But this seems to fit with what I experience in my life. So I'll go on. It says, it is only when we let our minds wander that we make unexpected connections between things that we did not realize mm. were connected. This can help you solve problems that previously seemed unsolvable. This is the last little part I'm reading. The more efficient the DMN is at toggling on and off, the better you become at processing life events. When it's time to pull yourself out of that daydream and to turn back to the many constant stimuli of your life, 
Your brain is primed and ready for action. Mm. People with an inefficient People with an efficient DMN do better on tests of cognitive ability, including measures of memory, flexibility of thought, and reading comprehension. People who are efficient at toggling their DMN on and off. Wait, can, what's DMN? I think they, I think they, um, shoot, I think they I defined that, that earlier. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, where is that? It's something, guys. <laughs> I could find it. No, no, <laughs> it has to be somewhere. DMN, I could just look it up. Yeah, look it up really quick. Oh, look at the babies. Why would they just introduce that without saying it? They probably introduced it in the very beginning of the book. That was more news. Default mode network? Neuroscience. That sounds right. Yeah, that's the Default mode network. Well, we had to Wikipedia it, and it is default mode network in neuroscience. The default mode network, also default network or default state network, wow, is a large-scale brain network of interacting brain regions known to have activity highly correlated with each other and distinct from other networks in the brain. Perfect. Wow. So when, we're, when I'm saying DMN... Wait, wait, wait. Can I read wait. one more thing? <laughs> the default mode network is most commonly shown to be active when a person is not focused on the outside world and the brain is at a wakeful rest. Oh, wakeful That's what we're saying. rest? Wakeful rest. It's phone drop. That's not a mic drop. It's a phone drop. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> I have so many thoughts. Just think of car radio. I'm yes. sorry. Car radio. Car radio is about <laughs> this. 21 Pilots. Listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a connection. There's All always right. A so connection. when we have that in mind, the default mode network. I'll just I'll just start that paragraph over for my own self. The more efficient the DMN default mode network is at toggling on and off, the better you become at processing life events. When it's time to pull yourself out of that daydream and to turn back to the many constant stimuli of life, your brain is primed and ready for action. People with an efficient DMN do better on tests of cognitive ability, including mm. measures of memory, flexibility of thought, and reading comprehension. People who are efficient at toggling, I love this, toggling, their DMN on and off have better mental health. It's like having an efficient stress response, which turns on quickly when needed and turns off quickly when not. Mm. In people with ADHD, anxiety, depression, autism, or schizophrenia, the DMN does not function efficiently. It's harder for them to toggle back and forth between looking in and looking out, resulting in too much daydreaming or excessive self-focus. This is messed up. Yeah. When we ruminate, <laughs> we're not toggling efficiently. Mm. We're getting stuck in thought when there's something in front of us we should be focusing on instead. So oh, it's big. That Those was are big things. Really? <laughs> okay. What are your so, questions? We're, we're, we're talking about the mental health of kids, but uh, we're saying to listeners out there... Uh, we like to think that we're spreading something positive out into the world. And I would say, try to create some freaking yeah, space in your please life. Please create some space. Yeah. Find whatever it has to be for you. Find it. It's painting for me. And I, yeah, and I want to say, I, I, this, is, this is the crazy thing about all this. Logically speaking, it's if you're, if you're an efficiency-obsessed person with getting things done, the common wisdom says you're actually going to be more efficient and you're going to get more things done if yes. you take breaks and, and you create white space. And you have then you radical learn to be well. You learn to figure out what's essential, yeah. and then you can master certain things, and you can see the bigger picture. You can <laughs> see where you fit in. Yeah, uh, it's a big deal. I, you know, I have thoughts about this in the sense of how we how we even decided to do these talks. In Please the share sense your thoughts. I don't, was, even have to, I don't even have to ask questions. Uh, what are your thoughts? Like the way we kind of went about this was in a in a sense almost lectio divina, which is a fancy way of saying divine reading we just decided mm -hmm. to read the text and then like i think we just started writing down words that stood out to us 
And then from there kind of said, oh, I'll take this one. I'll take that one. And then there was no structure. And like, I knew for me, I wasn't going to come up with a talk like when I sat down and was like, I'm going to come up with a talk. Like it was going to happen just when I was like able to be free and thinking. What What is your personal white space or your personal radical downtime? Like what do you do that you find to be, as we like to say, wholesome? Uh, on some level, it's painting. I mean, mm-hmm. that's probably the biggest I don't know way. if you've explained that that much. What do you to mean? Listeners. What, what, what is painting to you? What, what do you do? What is painting to me? <laughs> you ask such big questions. You haven't posted anything like that on our uh, Instagram. I, I guess you posted a few things this week, but I don't, I don't know if people would have known that those were your paintings. I. How do you paint? How do I paint? I sit down and I just pick up a brush and I start painting. <laughs> That's it. But it, it is a spiritual. I mean, it's kind of a spiritual practice. Um. I, like, didn't give myself permission to be artistic until, like, two, about three years ago on this, like, retreat. And uh, I realized that that was, it was, oh, my gosh, that retreat, the only thing the retreat was, was radical downtime. Mm. That's literally, looking back at it, it was Deb Nondorf. She just laid out different things that we could do. Anyone could do what they wanted. You could go take a walk. You could go do whatever. And I just sat and was mesmerized with creating Hmm. and just like, oh, I just get to do this. And so from then on, it's just a part of my life Hmm. is just having to create something. And it's typically painting. And painting feels the most wholesome and the most grounded and the most like I'm in touch with earth and the spirit. Love it. (laughs) I'm such a hippie. Don't laugh at that. I'm such a hippie. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I really like to paint with my hands if I'm like, okay, wait, you know what? People, if you want to know how I paint, go and listen to the 21 pot. Like when I talk about kitchen sink, I'm talking about that. And I think that's radical downtime on some level. I just like to paint, paint, like paint the paint. picture, paint the picture of what Macy is all about. You know, this isn't a very sunny area, but summers tend to be pretty sunny. And so Macy has a huge porch area where she lays out all of her paints and supplies and canvases. And we'll just sit in the sun all day and paint. This is true. And that that seems like radical downtime to me. And you're, you're usually pretty inspired and happy. Like if, yeah. if if you text me and say you're painting, I feel very at ease. I know you're like you know, <laughs> in a very peaceful place. Yeah, it's true. I'm not like, oh crap, she's painting. What does this mean? You know, it's like <laughs> what is it's this like, oh, she's painting. That's that means she's, she's really happy. She's just like really doing yeah, being happy. Yeah. So I guess we're saying encouraging people to say, what is your radical downtime? What is your happy place? Mm. And just putting some parameters around it, being like, you know, it really can't and shouldn't be looking at a screen. Honestly, we're saying that to teenagers, but we're saying it to all adults. Yeah. And, you know, can we're probably going too long. But when I was in high school, I had to walk my dog every day. Mm. And my parents were really like in my mind was like, they're so strict about it because I had like laid out all this. Like if we get a dog, I'll walk it every day. And like everybody else's parents never follows up on that. Mine, of course, did. And every single day, I had to Bill walk and my Janet. dog. Bill and Janet, woo! Crazy. I know, my, my, my kids will say, my, my friend's parents don't make me do that. And then I pat myself on the back. I'm like, all right, I'm a good parent. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, you're actually complimenting me when you say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. So every day, like, I don't, had to walk Zoe, but honestly, like, got to walk Zoe. Mm. And it was, it was that, like, white space mm. on so like so many levels and I don't even I didn't know that at the time and I don't even think my parents knew that you know it's just that's what it was yeah and what it became I think one of the weird things about it is that it's so 
it's it's not sexy. It's so you know, it's not sexy. It's so subtle and small, and mm. it seems like in order to do something big and helpful for your life, you sh- you should like jump out of an airplane or something. It's like actually take a nap, actually just go for a walk. Yeah, that will that will help you so much. Yeah, at least that's what everything's telling like, us. Like, give yourself permission research. to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give yourself permission to chill out. Uh, when we come back, Macy's going to talk about Holy um, Ground. Holy Ground, <laughs> and she gave a great talk on our Shasta trip, and we're expecting big things from her tonight. We're expecting so. big So just to paint the picture again, painting a picture. Uh, I, I gave the first talk on our trip, our first speech message, whatever. Yeah, it's such a funny. What is it? Mm-hmm. Who knows? And then following the text, following along in what we're talking about in this passage of Exodus, what happens when Moses goes out into the wilderness is he he encounters this infamous burning bush, and mm-hmm. that's where Macy picked up. So yeah, yeah. You talk I think I want to read the scripture. Actually. Please, that's 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 missing from this podcast tonight. Yeah, I know. I think I, I just glossed over it. it. I kind of, everybody kind of, we'll see how this goes because mm-hmm. I don't remember the order in which I gave the talk. I just remember what the things I shared. So here we go. I'm going to start with, where does it begin? Are you starting at Moses or are you starting when he goes out into the wilderness for the burning bush? When he goes out in the wilderness. I mean, I know it's Exodus 3. I think three. that's at the beginning of 3. Yeah, yeah. no, it's the very beginning. Okay, I'm also reading a uh, common English Bible, which is, Ooh. I think, a really fun and cool translation. It wouldn't be my first pick, though. That's a rogue. It's kind of rogue. Translation. Common English. Let's see what it says. I'm yeah, intrigued. I know. I I like impartial to it. I actually really like it. This is Bible nerds talking about uh, <laughs> translations. Well, because translations are everybody. No, Your I know. Your translation but, is but in, biased. In our realm, Let somebody's like, we're like, we know what you mean by New Living and NRSV and... Yeah, but NRSV. do people know how biased their translations are? No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like you and I are like would would nerd out on translations yeah. and which is more valid and yeah and what what is actually I don't a, think valid's the right way to put it, but a paraphrase. They're each, well, they're each bringing a perspective. They're bringing a trans. It's a translation. I just think we have to be thoughtful about that's what it is from an original text that was probably just more an oral tradition. So like. Okay, so this is the common English. The common English. Okay, here we go. Okay, uh, so Moses was taking care of the flock for his father-in-law, Jethro, Midian's priest. He led his flock out to the edge of the desert, oh, and he came to God's mountain called Horeb. The Lord's messenger appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of a bush. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it did not burn up. Then Moses said to himself, let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush is, isn't burning up. When the Lord saw that he was coming to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I'm here. Then the Lord said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. He continued, I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. There it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if we were at a um, youth group or church, we'd say this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah, 
<laughs> wow, that is, again, guys, this text is really rich. Really rich. Okay. Uh, can we, that's Amazing. so funny that I didn't even say wilderness. Burning bush. Burning bush, holy ground. Okay, so. Um, taking off sandals. Taking off sandals, yeah. So as we were, <laughs> uh, I don't know who suggested doing burning bush. When It might have been me. As soon as it was suggested, in my head, I already knew I wanted to talk about the concept of holy ground. Like, I think I might have. Who suggested it? I think I might have, like, charged this. Sure. I, I, I believe it. <laughs> I don't remember. But that, um, that, that seems to be <laughs> on brand. <laughs> um, so I've, uh, this concept of holy ground is something that's been in, like, the concept of self has always kind of stuck out to me in scripture. So I was really excited to talk about it. But as I was preparing, I guess, uh, for giving this talk, I like did a little bit of what we call like biblical exegesis, which is like looking at different ways people have interpreted the text and just trying to like kind of like be inspired by their interpretations, I guess. And so I learned a lot in just doing that. So mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I guess I'll just share about some of those things to begin with, uh, which in the translation, like we talked about wilderness. And what I thought was so interesting is you gave your talk and then I like was like, oh, I had a different understanding of wilderness completely. That's great. And I was like, I'm going to go back and look at this and see if it's right. And like, it was in some level, like in this one person, their interpretation. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to go with mm-hmm. it. So wilderness was this, is this place, if you want to interpret it this way, that is what like, is what is not supposed to be holy. It's this place that's the defiled place, the gross place. It's like the garbage place almost. Oh, man. And I'm already being taken back to your talk. <laughs> and this is what is so, for whatever it's worth, like we're, we're being really sort of self-deprecating and, and, and like uh, jokey about these terms, like biblical exegesis. But it's something that you're good at, you know. So you don't have, you don't have to be like all downplaying it and stuff. <laughs> and I also like the idea that like this is a this reveals how much how much how much time and attention we put into these things, <laughs> you know. Like we're pretty intentional. But there is no one way to look at this stuff. No, like oh, I had no, I had don't think there I, ever is. I had two <laughs> thoughts about wilderness that I thought were pretty spot on. And as you're talking, I'm already reminded like you had a completely new, not not even different or contrary. A new way of looking at wilderness that I thought was really important. So there it is. Thanks. Here we go. Here we go. What, what, what is it? Yeah. So <laughs> defiled. Defiled. This like gross place. Um, and that to me was so interesting because about three years ago, I read this book. Not three years ago. I think it was like five years mm. ago. I think I'm older than I mm. remember because it was my freshman year. My You're 23. I'm 23. It was. <laughs> Did was, you know that? I was 18 at the wow. time when I read this book called Submerge in my introduction to uh, global and urban ministry class Ooh. at SPO. Who taught the class? Leong. In that class, I was a freshman, and that class scared the crap out of me. Mm. I was like, ah. Uh, wow, man. I, it was so heavy. For a freshman, I was so much, but it was so good. Makes me love SPO. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so we're reading this book, and in it there's this guy, John Hayes, who is um, a pastor who is doing what is called, like, incarnational ministry, which is inspired by this idea that Jesus is God fully human, and it's, like, God 
like Emmanuel, God with us, mm-hmm. and that Jesus, the way God meets us is by living amongst us, and that's mm-hmm. how Jesus met us. And so it's this idea of being a pastor that just lives in a neighborhood, and like your role is just to be Jesus of the neighborhood, kind of. And like you're often like sponsored by a church to just do that, mm-hmm. and that is your vocation. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Hayes was, I don't know, I think called, chosen, lucky enough to that be called to this like beat down area in LA and he talks about how the first night he like was moving into this it's called mini street if you know LA I don't um and he and his wife had just moved in and they like had no idea what this was going to be like and he felt the urge to go outside and like walk along the street and he said that like you could see just like this broken glass and you could see you could hear people screaming in the background but he just heard in his voice like take off your shoes for you're standing is holy ground mm. and there's just something like so profound about what that is in like the sense of being in the wilderness and that this was this place that was what society had thought was unholy or what like the Egyptians just thought would holier what everybody had thought was like God God doesn't meet you there like you'll find God at like the temple or you'll Mm -hmm. find God in all these places but like it was Moses who was in the wilderness in this like what is called the unholy place that like he's called to take off his shoes Hmm. and stand on the holy ground oh so it's so that so good it's so good the concept of holy ground is so wild I have so much more to share well, and, and just thinking about our own experience last year on a mission trip to L.A. where we were in Skid Row and mm-hmm. had, uh, like, our own divine encounter. I mean, you made, like, oh. a painting of it. Yes. You know? I made a painting, and I painted yeah. it as an angel. Yeah. I should post that. Yeah, you should. It's a drawing, not a painting. Yeah, and we're walking through, I imagine, some of the, the most um, provocative, maybe is the right word, mm. Uh, and just and disturbing parts of America in terms of like an urban, uh, like it's where all the homeless folks in LA, most of the homeless folks in LA gather, and it's and it's they're just down there and in tents, and they're the the crazy thing is it seems intimidating at face value, and then once you start walking amongst these people, mm-hmm. there's community and they're kind to you, and and they're kind to each other, and and, and we're and. Yeah, it, it's. I don't know what to say to it because I don't want to also put like um, a positive varnish on it. Like, oh, yeah. it's so beautiful because it's also disturbing. But may, maybe the best way to say it is like what you're saying. It's somehow holy ground. You're, it's you're no less the, like it. You can encounter God, will God there. meet you just as much there as God would meet you in the most beautiful Sistine Chapel or right. at the top of a mountain or yeah. in your home. Yeah. And I think that's part of this is that God meets. God is or whatever, divine encounters are happening everywhere. Yeah. It's in all of these places of our lives that we can have them. Yeah, and I, I probably have, would have to say from a Christian perspective, God is more, more. present in those hard places. I think, I think theologically that does have grounding in the sense of what it is that for God to be one with us is God to die mm. and to to like ultimately like face our deep like what is often humans deepest fear you know we, we don't want to hear it we don't want to hear it that's a hard truth yeah it's challenging it's challenging and it's also encouraging we, we want to be mean, think in about, the safe think places. about being in a dark place and the idea that the god that that god is in a god that's above you and 
like going to pull you out of it, but God's a God that's going to run down to you mm-hmm. and meet you there. And like together you guys will come out of it. I don't know. You're adding a different dimension. <laughs> I'm good. not talking about something completely different. No, I know you're <laughs> adding another great dimension to the concept of wilderness. Like we start with this idea of white space or hmm. radical downtime, which is this healthy, peaceful place. But you're also saying it's important to acknowledge that God meets us in these hmm. very real, tangible, earthy, Troubling, unexpected. unexpected. I think both are unexpected. Unexpected, yeah. That's that's the theme from the text. It seems like yeah, unexpected. Okay, so I think another thing about this text that's you have super good stuff to say that like I loved about it as well in my like rereading through it is this idea of like what is how is Moses respond? So we have this burning bush. How is Moses like? What is his response? And like what leads Moses almost hmm. to like being told to take off his sandals because mm. I think Moses plays a role in this. And it's so in the text, he sees the burning bush and then like he's intrigued. It's like, it's very poignant that Moses could have walked by and been like, Oh, there's this bush. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to go keep doing my thing. But he sees it and he goes further. And then as he goes further, he sees, oh, my gosh, this is a bush that's not being consumed. So it's upon his, like, curiosity that he then hears from the bush, Moses, Moses. And his response is, here I am. Like, his response is, here I am. Like, what is that in the sense of just, like, here I am raw? Just, like, all I have is just myself for you. Like, I, I didn't expect to meet you here, but here I am. And then the response from the bush is, take off your sandals for where you're standing is holy crowned. And, like, what does that mean to take off your sandals? There's so many different things that it could Literal mean. sandals, metaphorical sandals. Like, what does that mean? And, like, there's all of this stuff. Like, is sandals maybe is because they're made of animal skin and, like, it's holy ground. And so, oh, like... Yeah. You said that? Yeah. So it's, like, this idea of, like, in terms of, like, religious sacrament and, like, animals are often considered unholy. So it's, mm-hmm. like, take off your sandals they're made of animal. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more, like, of a practical ceremonial interpretational interpretation. But there was another interpretation about this idea of it being just, like, in terms of respect. Like, it's holy ground. Another one about this idea of take off your sandals because this ground is clean. Mm-hmm. Like, it's clean ground. So you don't need sandals here. It's clean mm-hmm. ground. But then my favorite, which I talked about, was this idea of take off, like, your sandals. Like, your home. Mm. Like it's this, oh, I love that. Comfy. It's comfy. It's a comfy place. Like this. Take off your sandals. Like take off your sandals. You're on holy ground. Like you're home. Like Moses had just said, like, I'm here. Like here I am. Mm. There was like a sense of rawness. And like Moses, there's nothing Moses could do besides That got, that got be, me legit choked up. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing that Moses could be besides be himself with God. And God invites that in and says, come and be comfy mm. and take off your sandals. Like you are, you are invited into this place mm-hmm. and Moses like enters into that. And it's just his curiosity that leads him there. And then there's nothing else that you have to be besides be yourself. And you can have this divine encounter. I think. <laughs> I think so too. And there's so many places in the Bible where, it's, where God says, do not be afraid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, be comfortable. Be comfy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's so good. And, and um, so you you presented that. Like, I love that 
I love that people would maybe listening to think this is this is over the t- over the head of teenagers, and I and I oh. I can testify like kids are tracking. Oh, you know, yeah. is this over the head of teenagers? No, I think people <laughs> would think that though because this is heavy stuff, and there's so many areas. There's so many again like little rabbit trails you could go off on this about like again science and psychology and saying this is scriptural, and there's so many exegetical layers to this that you mm-hmm. could delve into, but. Thinking about the psychological significance of the things we do to prepare ourselves for a moment. So Mm, whether it's washing your hands before a meal or praying or anything, saying the word of the Lord, like things that are probably more for us than anybody else. Mm. And thinking about like the idea of a ritual that helps prepare you for us. Yeah. Prepare you to be in the presence of the divine, Mm. taking off your shoes, whatever it is, but that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe since I'll just, close with close with in closing closing. i'd like to say but i i feel like i I think you gotta talk about the flowers yeah yeah yeah. so this was okay this is so funny is (laughs) i had get ready absolutely no real intention of talking about them and and let me i i uh, i can cut this out if it sounds yeah like i'm micromanaging yeah but the crazy thing was is that you were noticing these flowers around Seattle before Twenty One Pilots yes. started talking oh, yeah. about flowers, and that's the trippy thing. I hope you, I hope you um, emphasize that. Oh. <laughs> it, it's 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 the weirdest coincidence. Yeah, in yeah. your life especially, I know. it's so personal. It's like really personal. Yeah. Um, okay, so so I had like. The way I typically roll is often last minute. First of all, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in terms of things Seems like to be this. working so far. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for a lack of effort. It's just I have to think about something until the end, and then it's like, okay, I guess I got to pull it together because I'm just going to think and ruminate on it until. Ruminate. I don't know if I should. Um, but, I mean, honestly, I, like, kind of came up with the talk right before. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's saying something, isn't it? It's like... In terms of... There's a lot of preparation, but it's like once you're up there, it's like I've prepared. I just... I'm going to say the word for this group of people mm-hmm. what they should hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had been like, maybe I'll talk about the flowers. This feels like a good fit. And I was like, I don't know. And I kind of threw that idea out. And then as I was up there, I like really was like, guys, I don't know if this is going to fit. I think I said that. You like, did. It, it was endearing, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, there's these yellow flowers, everybody. And <laughs> Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Have you seen the yellow flowers? And there are, there are these yellow flowers that I think probably in February or March started showing up in, so there's, Seattle's made up of all these neighborhoods, and there's the U District, and there's Wallingford, and there's Fremont, and there's, like, Finney Ridge, and these are all neighborhoods that are kind of connected, and in Ballard. Oh, yeah, they're up to Ballard, and uh, I drive along this area and live my life along these in these neighborhoods a lot, mm-hmm. and there are these yellow flowers that just started popping up, and they're just these greedy, graffiti yellow flowers that are so simple 
And they're typically on trash cans or just on, like, random posts. Some are small, some are big. And once I started to notice them, it's like you start seeing them kind of, like, popping up everywhere. And they are, they have, like, been so, like, helpful to me on some level. Like, seeing them, it's this, like, it is this holy ground. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it becomes that. And it's or, or, or a burning bush. Or a burning bush. Yeah. Oh, that's a really cool way of putting <laughs> it. That, like, leads me to holy ground. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, cool. It could be both. Uh, but they're these sacred flowers that just represent so... They represent so much. But, I mean, I think if I were to, like, oh, what does it really represent? Probably just this concept of hope and, mm. like, color and... If you listen to the top rants, I talk a bit more about them in terms of like they come and Matthew explains it like they started showing up in the winter and like when it's really dark and there's very little sun and very little color. And they like really like on some level, like emotionally and spiritually, like got me through. And it's crazy, everybody, because I gave this chat to all the people about these yellow flowers. And I was like, everybody, like, you should look for the yellow flowers. Like, or just, like, have your eyes open. Mm -hmm. And, like, be aware that God could meet you in any of these places. Mm -hmm. Like, we're living our lives. Like, are we awake to the fact that we could just say, I'm here and be met? Which is crazy in the sense of what's happening in 21 Pilots world. In that 21 Pilots... (laughs) This is, this is, we're on the same freaking wavelength. 21 Pilots, <laughs> they're like new thing with their, they've created a very cool, I think, conceptual album and they've laid the foundation for what is to come. That's going to be, I think, amazing. And they have this music video and in it, the like biggest symbol is this yellow flower mm-hmm. that pops up as like Tyler's facing his inner demons and it's this hopeful thing and the color yellow becomes this imagery for hope. And it's been just adopted by the click. It's been adopted by 21 Pilots fans everywhere. And this, this color itself has taken on a whole new meaning. And it's just kind of wild to me in how much it felt like I needed to say that about the yellow flowers and share about the yellow flowers. And then like, I didn't even know this, but like, that's the thing. That's the theme. Yellow flowers is like mm. this theme of hope. It's so holy. For <laughs> <laughs> a burning bush. <laughs> it's something. Yeah, it's so good. And it just it just is a it just is an example of this idea of people I, I've heard it said. I'm not gonna even try to figure out who said this. That we should treat the other or people as i icons not idols. Hmm. Idols are somebody or something that we elevate to a place that is fixed. Hmm. And um not human or even changeable. Hmm. And an icon is something that we get lost in the depth of meaning. Hmm. And so we sit and meditate on it and let it continue to increase in meaning. And it can it can probably seem a little overwhelming. But if you just take the concept of like a yellow flower and and then add all these layers of burning bush and holy ground and hope, it it can be, if you'd like it to be, a spiritual practice, uh, mm-hmm. uh, making a to yellow flower an icon and, and especially something around Seattle where every time you drive by it, mm-hmm. you're reminded that 
there is hope and you can sit and think about it. Yeah. If you want. If you want. <laughs> it seems it seems fruitful. I mean, I think Macy and I both approach this stuff through a very particular lens. Call it Enneagram four or five, I don't know, but like <laughs> it seems good to me. Maybe maybe yeah. others wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have to believe there's a wisdom to it, regardless of what type of personality you are. Well, and you know what I think it's funny about the yellow flowers is like to me, like I noticed them I think pretty quickly once they started coming up. Like I mm-hmm. think it was just like obvious that I noticed them and I didn't have to do anything to notice them because they just really like hit me at the right moment. But like you you don't even I have to really point them out to you to see yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is so interesting and you're locked to in. me. Yeah, like I like now have the eye for it. I saw a new one <laughs> the other day. It's so fun when I see a new one. Also, well, this you can edit out, but a student of mine texted me a picture of one and was like, thinking of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so special. Wow, that's so good. There Isn't it is. Sweet? You gotta post it so other people can see it. Yeah. Oh, all, yeah, I did I'm I'm working on a big project um around the idea of these yellow flowers and I've I'm trying to take pictures of them all with disposable cameras and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how that works out. Let me introduce one more concept. I've Let's also heard it said in terms of our faith life, Christianity, whatever you want to call it, like that we're meant to be more um, tour guides as opposed to travel agents, which means travel agents talk about destinations that they've never been to, whereas tour guides have mapped out the locations and said, let me show you what I've seen. Wait, what are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be tour guides, not travel agents. So that's what I experienced you as in terms of oh, pointing out these flowers. You're oh. like taking me on the journey, and you're like, look, there's the flower, there's the flower, there's the flower. <laughs> a travel agent would say, head to Magnolia, you may see some flowers. I've heard oh, there. You know, it's I like, hear you. You haven't been there. You don't understand. You've never experienced it, but yeah. you're telling people about it. I've used uh, does travel a travel agent just shorts. like you walk in and you say, I want to go to this place, and then they plan most of it for you? Yeah, a, tra- a travel agent may or may not have actually been to the place that, oh, that they're you. sending you off to. Yeah. A tour guide. They know the place intimately and they're inviting you in to enjoy it with them. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'd probably consider like, I, I think of the image of like ride the ducks here in Seattle. You know, it's like, they, I mean, it's kind of cheesy, but it's like they're taking you to places that they're, that are, that are well known to them, hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, you've pointed out those flowers on several occasions, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it helps me. It helps me. And we can do that as 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 friends. I love to point them out. And uh, someone recently was like, I need you to point at least one out to me. Because mm-hmm. I think if you, once you start to see one, then you can see them all. And there's one very obviously for people, if they're trying to figure out what exactly they look like, there's one very obviously as you're on 45th crossing I-5 on your left. It's really big. And that shows you what mm-hmm. it looks like. I and then from there on, about. you're going to see them if you're going <laughs> down 45. What if you ever met the person that did these? That'd be crazy. I can't even imagine. I, who, if you are out there, you <laughs> mean <laughs> it's so a call out. much to me. <laughs> who are you? I am thankful <laughs> for you. I think you, me, Tyler, we're on the same wavelength. Tyler Joseph. We can see yellow. Can they? I don't know. East is up. East is up. Oh, <laughs> don't even get me going. But th- I think I just I just want to say for from anybody that may not be thinking on these terms, this is a metaphor. <laughs> you know, like the yellow flowers are literal, but they're also a metaphor. They're a literal boost. You 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 drive through Wallingford and you say, "Ooh, a fun yellow flower." But what we're also saying is, 
if if yellow flowers represent hope, we as friends in life can say can 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 say here's hope, here's hope, here's hope, here's hope. Like ho- hopefully pointing this out to each other as we go through a lot, go through life. Yeah, you know, or here's burning bushes, here's divine encounters, here's God. Yeah, yeah, and I think. If there's anything, oh, if there's anything else, maybe we should have said this in the beginning because this is what we started Shasta with. Mm. I caught up there. I had no idea either what I was going to say. And I was like, the word of the week for me is, I guess, being open. <laughs> what your method worked for whatever word or whatever it is. It, it, it felt probably to you a little freewheeling and um, maybe I don't know what it feel like. Can I tell I you know what? I had big thoughts on this yeah. of why that method worked. Yeah. I trust that community. Ah, uh, we have built trust. Huge, huge. And the fact that we have a team trust each other, and I know that everybody there is like rooting for me mm-hmm. and like only hopes the best for me, and that like even just these students, they feel it's I don't know that there is a trusting community, mm. and I knew that like I had good a good heart that's gonna show through. You had the best of intentions. <laughs> the best of intentions mm. with a loving, trusting community. Like I don't think much can go wrong. Wow, that's profound. Because you, you killed it. It was so good. Open. <laughs> yeah, so I think if that's another invitation, it was just like to be open to what, maybe open to this new idea of a burning bush or open to this idea of wilderness. And, I, you know, something else, this is, we're probably heading towards the end. But I have been recently like drawn to this idea of like, take from it what you will. Like, Find one line in this podcast. Mm. If you listen to this end and you made it all the way here, find one line that resonated with you and mm. maybe meditate on that mm. and think about that. Like we spout a ton of things out and everybody's spouting a ton of things out and we're all on different wavelengths and resonating with certain things. Just like find your things and like trust that those are profound for you and you can find meaning and live into that. Yeah. I, I, I think I think I was thinking of heading into like a... <laughs> Moment of of closing thoughts, <laughs> but I think that's it. I think you said the closing thoughts. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I thank guess. Thank you. Th- I really, thank you, guys. Everyone, thanks for listening to this podcast. <laughs> Especially if you made it to the end. I think some people. I would say, I would say half the listeners probably make it halfway through. I think so. so I made it to the end. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we thank appreciate you. you being here with us. <laughs> and I, I think we're saying, I, I guess, I guess, in terms of our content, this is a new, this is another new thing. This, yeah, we really went like Jesusy. We went Jesus Bible, which is so funny. Yeah, but so fun, I guess. We're really uh, nerds <laughs> about nerds. this. Yeah, yeah, and and I and and we have to own it. Oh yeah, I'm here for being a nerd, mm-hmm. and and I and I hope we presented something that was beneficial. I hope so. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope it's beneficial, and maybe it just made you laugh. <laughs> maybe this is like one big comedy routine. <laughs> Burning bush as well, Ernest. Feels like look, it look at is. these jokes we're telling everybody. Catch you later. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, we we say. Uh, Macy's put down a microphone, but I oftentimes say we've said goodbye, good night, but we should just say goodbye. Macy's put down a microphone, and now we're saying goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.